Welcome to EdTech Adventures. Join us as we explore the role of technology, STEM, and creative play in education. With expert guests, we'll discover how learning is always an adventure. Today, we have a special guest named Mohammed Hagag. He's a recent high school graduate from Cairo, Egypt. He has displayed a strong passion for EdTech and computer science education through various roles as a founder of the Next Coder Society and most recently as a curriculum design intern at Code Combat. Thank you so much for being on our podcast, Mohammed. Thank you for having me, Charlotte. I'm very glad to be here. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, so let's start off the podcast with a trip down memory lane. Could you describe a memorable education experience that you've had as a student? Yeah, gladly. I wouldn't say necessarily my most memorable experiences from my childhood was as a student because uh, I I really loved learning. I loved all of my classes. So there wasn't really a tip uh, over point where, you know, like I decided that education was like the pass away from my life because it just came so naturally to me. But what I would say has shaped my passion for uh, teaching others more is that I've always been this kind of tutor and my mom, bless her heart, she uh, would always um, really fortify in me a sense of learner agency. So I just wanted to, you know, transfer that to others and try to help them out. If we're talking about memories, I think my most memorable experiences was tutoring. And I started that when I was, I think around fourth grade. So I was like 10 or nine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did that start? How did you find an opportunity to tutor at, at such I a good guess, age? I, I didn't really know. I like, here's the thing. If you don't go out of your way and become a teacher, it's more, it's more spurred by the people around you. So when somebody, my friend at the time, he needed help with French and I am, I'm, I have an act for languages. So like I, it was the day before the exam and he like knew absolutely nothing. So I was like, okay, we're going to just start this over and yeah started with conjugations and you know I remember the day after once we've taken and we've all written the test he came to me and he was so glad like he squeezed me I was practically choking <laughs> but it was like the best hug ever yeah but and that kind of spiraled into me taking many other educational roles in my school so yes most of the times I was a student but also like I started a computer science club. I implemented, I, I, I love to think that I've helped, but I help teachers implement this nuanced foreign educational system. It's called the Tokatsu, and it's actually Japanese. It's about holistic education. And in ninth grade, I presented that to the Ministry of um, uh, Education in Egypt here. And it actually now is a really big system in schools nationwide. Wow. That must have been so rewarding to see. You yeah, being I mean, at the time, I was like... Change. At the time, I was mainly just like, I didn't really grasp how important what I was doing. Uh, I was just, I was, I just could see that my school was like a better place now and people were more excited about what they learned in it and how they interacted with each other. With each other. And to me, that's what I want to create. Like here, that's where I drive like my impact from. I like seeing other people around me being fulfilled by what they learn and what they do. And yeah, that, that to me does the impact part. Yeah, I hear you. That was my first aha moment in education was also tutoring my cousin who was struggling with reading. And again, yeah. having that moment where they got that light bulb and you get that big hug and, and saying, oh, wow, I'm making a positive difference. Yeah, and it's, 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 it really doesn't, it doesn't go away. So yes, now hold more 
not as direct positions when it comes to education. So yeah, I like I design, I help with like design tasks with you in Code Combat. And that might feel like a little isolated this time because we don't really get to meet with a lot of students, although like millions of people play the game. But at the same time, like in, in my hometown, like I continue being an ambassador for the World Literacy Foundation and I continue teaching kids. So that kind of like balances out like the two things where I know that my work at Code Combat is like affecting many, though I might not see all of them, but also like I do on ground stuff, which I can feel like tangible feedback from, which both are really like it's the same side. I'm sorry, different sides of the same point, but they're both really impactful in my opinion. I'm glad you recognize that at such a young age. It takes a lot of people a lot of time to realize that they need a balance of both to really be able to continue mastering this space. And, so, and you talked about this club, this ne- is that Next Coder Society? Uh, yeah. Working with kids. Could you the talk next... me a little bit more about that and how you started exactly. it? Yeah. So my first interaction, oh, from the name, I think you could guess that the Next Coder Society is about teaching computer science to others. And how it started is that I didn't get a chance to code before I was in uh, 10th grade. Yeah, I think it's the US equivalent to like 10th grade. So at the time I was picked like among a thousand other kids from like the whole of entirety of Egypt. There were like, a lot of people could be candidates. Like I think 700,000 people could be eligible, but like not a lot of people applied. So I was picked for that scholarship and I got to introduce to this amazing community of like people who could, who can code and program. And I, and I thought, that it was like very nice that people out there would be willing to teach us something like this. And through, I think the, um, the platform was Udacity at the time. So we all took intro to programming and then we took programs in data science and then artificial intelligence. And each summer we would like do build on the, what we learned in the past summer. And I thought that was pretty cool. But what I didn't think was cool is that only a thousand people could learn about that. And I was like, ah, oh, that, that kind of sucks because I remember very clearly like that I would go to the camp in the summer I'd learn all of these amazing things and then go back next quarter to school and be like and I couldn't talk to my friends about it because each time I told them well we learned this really cool thing and they'd be like huh what is that right so I thought like this yes it was a stark comparison but as much as I was happy that I had the opportunity, I was also very sad that it was kind of like unjust that, you know, like a tool this strong, shaping literally everything around us, a lot of people didn't have access to. And that kind of spurred me or propelled me to start the next quarter society is a place for people to at least show them like the way we make curricula, we do initiatives, but the main essence behind the driving message for the next quarter society is for us to be able to show others how they could get into computer science and why they should. That's great. And I, I love that you recognized how exclusive the program you were in and tried to change that with yours. And we today I wanted to dive deeper into this idea of getting kids interested and fostering engagement. So for you, when you were developing your program at Next Coder Society, what sort of strategies did you come up with or learn about to get kids engaged? Definitely. Uh, You know, like it started with me just trying to, I guess, copy that sense of commitment that I had towards my community. And I wanted to implant that in others. And because we had a, a wide network of like alumni in the program, I wanted each of them to have their own Next Coder Society, right? So uh, I'm currently working uh, on an initiative that prepares other 
teams in technology to be community leaders and run their own three-hour workshop to help other kids get into technology. So to me, like not only does that make it more tangible for other students, like maybe in remote areas, get to know about technology, it also provides an example because one of the things uh, about like the computer science community is that there aren't many role models that kids can identify with. And I wanted to, you know, there's obviously diversity, but because not everybody who is diverse is willing to be a leader that poses an issue for the community. I wanted to everybody who can program to get the tools so that they can also be a leader, not just a programmer. Gotcha. Yeah. Representation is so important. Being able to see a leader that looks like you in, in this space can really inspire a kid. How about the curriculum itself? How how do you make that engaging? The activities or the programming challenges? Could you talk you more about? I think my like design is very intuitive, of course. But I think the the most important aspect of it is that I try to account for how every learner is gonna look at my curriculum. Like when I make this exercise. Are kids going to identify with it? Is it something that is relatable? Is it is that something that is intertwined with the subject that they take at school? Because computer science is already very abstract and there is a lot of like misrepresentation of it. Like kids nowadays think that, you know, like computing is all about hacking and I'm going to be this hacker and like rob banks and whatever. I'm like, yes, some people do that, but it's really bad and it's not what computer science is about. But of course, you can't convince them with just words because the idea of being like the cyber criminal is so is super illustrative. And I just want them to see the good side of computing and like how that changes the world and makes better changes. So I try to make that more tangible. I told them, well, you know, computing is about making a program. So what problem in your life do you think a computer program might solve? And now that you know, and I teach them about algorithms and stuff, now that you know how algorithms work, can you make up an algorithm to solve that problem? So it's really all about human-driven computing. I want them to think about societal problems and how computing play part of that. Computer science is not about isolation. It's not just an abstract thing. And I think that is something that drives kids away from it because they think it's like mathematics, that they'll never use it again beyond the classroom. When in fact, like computing is in every aspect of their lives. And I want them to be able to contribute to that. Yeah, I like how you said human-driven computing. And I think that's a way more inclusive way to introduce it because I, I agree, there's so many movies out there where the computer scientist or programmer is the hacker. And there's always, it's always this. Always in their mom's basement. Always mom's basement. Always. uh, I think it's changing. It's always a a male person, you know, and and it's really hard to see that, oh, computing is so much more than that. It's actually making positive change. And I, I love how you're not only giving them examples, but helping them put on that programmer hat and think about how they could solve problems in their own lives. So when you were designing the this program, did you run into any stumbling blocks along the design process? What what did you learn from the whole process of trying to develop this program? Yeah, there there is inevitably gonna be many iterations of it. It's like the main takeaway that I had because you know, like you may make something and you think, oh, this is great, and then nobody understands this. So yeah, the, like I think this initiative has been in the making for about two years now because we're just has been trying to review the PD for the trainers and review the curriculum for the kids. And but each time it gets better because we understand every party more. And that is totally like the key to just having a successful like work 
just trying to understand who you're catering to. And while you're doing that, make sure you gather enough feedback to reiterate on your initial design and make it better and make it more relatable to others. Because if they can, it doesn't matter if you can use it. It matters if the person in front of you, like the one who will be using it in real life, that they find it intuitive and they find it easy to use. Yeah, I'm really empathizing with the yeah. audience. Basically. Empathy is key. Yeah. <laughs> and then can you, besides Next Coder Society, you've also explored other programs uh, involving this. Could you elaborate a little bit about your more recent projects like the UN agency and other yeah, things like course. that? Well, my job at the UN agency was like initially I saw it was like very like different from any kind of education. But as I grew like more proficient in it, I like at heart it it's really just about shaping like the current education. So we were training an AI model to look at the current job descriptions in the MENA market or the MENA is an, an acronym for Middle East and uh, North Africa. So it, look at, it looks at job descriptions from local businesses there. And then it tells us the needed skills. And then we could use those skills to kind of make suggestions of what we need in our educational system right now to be able to fulfill the, you know, the future uh, market skills and be able to make predictions on what like kind of education would be like important in the future. And fun fact, computer science is very needed. <laughs> <laughs> we need more computer scientists so don't shy away from that just yet but yeah you know and it really helped me i think my most my most i think memorable or the thing i got from the this experience the most is that technology really helps us scale the individual experience so by just living in a community you might not realize the individual needs or you might not realize how much an individual need is shared among many people but looking at it like a graph, looking at a regression plot, you see that, wow, like this one thing was like a common, pro such a common problem. But yeah, once you scale it up using technology, you get to see all of the individual like problems and all of the individual opinions as one. And it really highlights what the community needs right now. And I thought like that is very powerful assets that technology have is that it gives you a different perspective towards development. Like it guides you better, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. And looking at the data from when you were working at the UN, did that change your perspective of what what would be engaging in a program based on your experience at Next Coders? I definitely think that I wasn't accounting enough for uh, some communities, you know, because like Next quarters, I was definitely just bound by my own community and what the feedback from the trainers gave me. But working at the UN, we, we really covered many different communities that were like very different from what from anything I've experienced, like refugee camps, other countries, you know, like all of these places, they have different needs. And it's important to realize those needs to come up with an inclusive solution. So we don't have to innovate many things. We could just innovate one thing and it could be used across the board, right? So it definitely helped me realize that, you know, the more you know about the different communities around you, the more it caters to developing an inclusive solution and one that could um help uh, a broader demographic. Yeah. Can you speak to a specific example or a specific region that really changed your perspective and okay, what you definitely. saw? Yeah. So um, 
many solutions. Well, we would have these like sessions when we would talk about like rising entrepreneurial solution in specific communities based on what the data has shown us. So in some communities and some refugee camps, we find that there's has been like, there hasn't been enough guidance for the young students. So there has been this company that its main aim was to connect both teachers and parents and students to work out like a kind of development guide for the student to ensure that they get enrolled into college and they have a successful employment after. And, you know, like in my community, I, everybody gave me feedback towards the college process and everybody was like, okay, so everything was pretty planned out. So knowing that other kids from other areas didn't even have to go to college in their mind or didn't really have a clear cut plan for their educational path, that like made me realize how privileged I was, but also it made me like um, have a better sense of, you know, like not everything that isn't a problem for me isn't necessarily a problem for somebody else. And therefore, like you should always like try and use technology to help solve those problems, even in, even though you don't have them, you know. So I definitely became more willing to accept all ideas, no matter how trivial they are when it comes to using them in technology, because I know that this problem is some like somebody might face this problem even though I, I don't like somebody might so it's not necessarily that I scratch all ideas so fast because I don't experience them myself yeah I, I hear you on that one and the you have to sort of change the why part of your messaging right because it sounds like originally at next coders the why is hey you, you can get into coding and then go into college prepared but you almost have to change the messaging for different yeah. communities because yeah. they might not have that on their horizon, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't learn how to code, exactly. right? Yeah, that's that's great to know. And so we also found each other on LinkedIn, thanks to technology. <laughs> and then Mohammed actually has been interning with us on the learning design team. So, you know, you talked about your past programs. Now, when has the experience been like you touched on a little bit like this concept that you're not working directly with the students mm -hmm. and you're actually developing the content that's going to affect a lot more students millions so what has the experience been like in turning as a program oh scary okay Let's yeah <laughs> it's a little scary because you know like when you're in the event or when you're teaching the session you, you have like direct autonomy that if anything goes wrong you can be like okay just stop Remember for a it. second. Yeah, we're going to just replay this last few minutes and we're going to explain it again. But when you deploy a solution in the real world, if a student struggles, if a struggle, if a student can't find the right hint, like you have to figure that out yourself. Like and a huge part of my uh, journey at Code Combat was like place, playing through all the levels and thinking of all the learning scenarios or the issues that a learner might come across and just figuring out like, how can we make this experience like as intuitive as possible and as easy as possible for a learner to go through while still making it like challenging intellectually. So this has definitely been like, it definitely helped shape my thinking at least that, you know, it's important that like a, a journey is easy, but it has also, to, it also has to deliver the, the learning like deliverables. So yeah, it definitely it, from that aspect, it was very interesting. Okay. And how about engagement strategies? Going back to engagement, what have you learned from working with Code Combat when it comes to using engagement strategies? I mean, I think 
that engagement is something that, you know, like it's not always like quantifiable. If you don't meet people in real life, like I said before, it's hard to feel engaged when you're just behind the screen designing curricula or like putting assessments or whatever. But, you know, like at Code Combat, there is always so much feedback coming from teachers and I like it's, I mean, it doesn't pass a day really when we don't get a token of feedback from like a teacher saying that their students love this, this curriculum or that the students struggle with certain curriculum. And we actually, you know, like the sheet, we have the sheet with, with like the number of like entries students made in each level and how how much it took them to get the right answers. So those are definitely they're different kinds of feedbacks than you would usually get from directly interacting with a student, but they are also as valuable because Again, it gives you like a more collective view of what of how everything is because a teacher doesn't report for one student. He reports for, you know, like a hundred students. So it really like just condenses the feedback and gives us like this pure, like this issue. Instead of just having like a hundred voices trying to call for like a, a specific issue each. So I think that has definitely been a different aspect of engagement that I haven't faced to just teaching alone. Yeah, it almost harkens back to your work at the UN again yeah. just expanding. yeah exactly technology really like helped us bring that individual voice into the collective experience oh yes and I'm glad yeah that that's been again a positive impact of computing instead of just hacking it it's going yeah that's that's really funny so so then looking forward what are your goals for the next few years when it comes oh. to your academic pursuits and at tech in general I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to working more in edtech. And I, I feel that it's an eccentric career choice for somebody who's like in, in high school. But y'all, once you get it, you get it. Like it's, <laughs> like, it's really hard to just walk back from edtech knowing how much impact you could make. And for me, definitely, I want to prioritize my college education to suit that. And for EdTech specifically, it's not just about, I, I think it differs from like the traditional educational route. So you wouldn't just major in education. You need to have really a collective view of, um, of education and technology and, you know, philosophy, epistemology, and like those other stuff. You need to really think it through and also think about the learner. So you need to know about psychology, computational thinking patterns, all of these kind of, you know, different but also i think similar disciplines from how they come together in edtech like edtech is really a place where a lot of variables intersect and i'm planning to you know initiating that philosophy towards my collegiate education oh could you expand more on that so it sounds we we like the word interdisciplinary right so we love it yeah <laughs> can you explain a little bit about interdisciplinary when it comes okay. to looking at colleges Definitely. So interdisciplinary, it means the ability to study um, or to find links between different disciplines and use that, use those links towards your own, I, I think, pass away. And this specifically applies for education because education is, is a lot of things. I don't really know how to, to explain it. It's very abstract. But to me, education has so many aspects that you can't just tackle it from one discipline. Like you can't be just a computer scientist and be like, okay, so I'm going to teach now. Like you really, you really need to understand a lot of different things. And dealing with children, you might be inclined to you know, major in something like, or at least takeaways from a major like developmental studies and children or children development. You might also be interested in 
some aspects of philosophy about how we learn, how we internalize knowledge, because nowadays, like knowledge comes with so many new nuances. And while we're trying to achieve diversity, equity and inclusion, we need to be very careful about the message we portray. So philosophy really helps with that. Also, a lot of other things like English, English helps you perfect also your writing and how it translates to a reader. Mathematics, if you need to bring the, the individual like uh, experience to a collective preview, so statistics. So all of that comes together in EdTech. And when you're in a college that allows you to take courses from all of these different aspects, you really become a more holistic educator and you care a lot about the student from all the different ways. And I think that's like what you aim, what your aim should be. I'm just so impressed that you recognize that even before going to college. I think a lot of people I know. I don't really realize like... that until their first job really, or they, the first, their first interaction in the real world and, and, and noticing that. So I mean, I is... had very good leadership at Code Combat to teach me about success. <laughs> okay, now we're just flattering each other. No, no, but I, I truly, I think you had that mindset even before we met, you know, and I, I think that's just been such a great thing to see that you have that perspective because if you go into college with that perspective, you're going to get so much more out of the experience, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like, well, and I feel if just a little bit of advice for people who feel the same, if you feel like uh, you're interested in so many different things, like equally interested, like for me, as a, uh, for example, like at school, I couldn't like for the death of me, I couldn't tell you what my favorite subject was because I literally just enjoyed everything. So it is not necessary for you to shut away stuff for you to have a career path like the most successful career path and i believe the things that will carry us towards the future are the ones that take away from so many different aspects of life in general so you really just like embrace your interdisciplinary nature and embrace your multiple interests and you'll be fine yeah i think it's and i want to delve a little deeper into this it i think it it's almost dangerous and i've been thinking about this what at least in our schools here in the u.s Kids are asked at a very young age, maybe even kindergarten, first grade, what do you want to be when you grow up? And that's, I think that's almost a dangerous question to ask at such a young age, because then you're introducing them to stereotypical occupations. Often it's doctor, scientist, you know, ballerina, police person, you know, all, all of these quintessential roles. But down the line, there's so many more interdisciplinary roles that might not be known. And so I'm curious how you stumbled upon it by just exploring and keeping your mind open to like different combinations. Is that what happened? Or yeah, like, yeah. actually, this is a very interesting story. <laughs> but okay, uh, I, yeah, b before I start saying that, I also wanted to mention that even those quintessential roles at their hearts, there are a lot more interdisciplinary than, you know, like school paints them out to be. Because we would like to think that, you know, like this is like a fit, like being an engineer is kind of a like a mold that you need to fit into. But there are so many types of engineers and engineers work in so many environments. And still, even if you decide to go that's one path, you will have to embrace like derivatives and you will have to go down different routes and no one engineer is exactly like the other. So I feel like just having that, like abolishing that mentality of categorical thinking is really what you need. And just like adhering to flexibility is really what you need at an adolescent age, because there are so many possibilities. And no matter how much you think you could fit into just this one single role, 
like you don't know how it will look like five years from now. So it's better just to go after your whims <laughs> when you're <laughs> when you're a teen. Yeah, just do what you please. But for me personally, I obviously was very influenced by the fact by those quintessential quintessential roles. And my family, I know they always wanted me to be a doctor. And so when I actually like got many offers from med schools, I was like, I, I was very scared. I didn't want to turn them down. But I like at the same time, I was I was like, no, but like this isn't my passion. And I, and if I was a doctor, even if I was a good doctor, I like I'm not sure I would enjoy it. And this is essential for you to continue your career because if your passion doesn't feed into what you do, you're eventually not going to care about the quality of it. Right. So for me, like it's better to take a gap year or a year off and then and just focus on what I want to do and affirm my passion for it. Uh, and until I can find uh, better alternate solutions for education that serves me. Right. But uh, before that, I dabbled in a lot of things. I was a graphic designer for a while. I was also an interior. I did a lot of design work. That's a common name. <laughs> <laughs> I did architecture. I I did video editing i did a lot of creative work but none of it really set well with me because it likes that impact and i didn't want just to make art i wanted to make art that motivates people and for me that was education i love that and i feel like you got it so much earlier and i think that's so important that you are seeking out internships and opportunities to explore this even in high school for me i learned that a little bit more in college and i think that's great advice is you're not going to know what the commonality is mm-hmm. across these systems yeah. until you try Like them. when you look back at it now, I was like, okay, so I wanted to do something with design. But at 15 year old, I was lost. All I could tell you is that I, I like the idea of growth. So actually, I just remembered I was also really into botany. And I just and I had this massive like textbook of just like Mendeleev's table of trying to figure out genetic traits of like how to breed different flowers and stuff. <laughs> So, and I was really interested in just growing plants and seeing how they grow and writing about that or building something. So I was really just into making an environment and letting that grow. And I feel, and I feel like I can see how that manifested into how or what the, the type of work I do today. Okay. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I think, like you said, you're looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that's important yeah. to look back <laughs> and go, wow, I tried a lot of different things. But I'm noticing a pattern, right? Yeah. You're noticing a pattern. And I think part of that is allowing yourself to, again, don't fit yourself into a mold, right? You're keeping yourself open. It's just that you are the mold. You, Yeah, I love that. And the only way you can create it is by exploring, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's I, I love those analogies. And so do you have any, I mean, you're already giving a lot of advice, but it, <laughs> what advice would you give to someone in high school who wanted to explore working in ed tech? So they've sort yeah. of done that exploration. They look back and wait, wait a second. I think my passion's in ed tech. Like what, what advice would you give to that person? I guess, first of all, welcome aboard. I mean, honestly, perhaps the most challenging thing in ed tech is that your yourself is still a student yet. Like you yourself is still a student. And that might lead people to shy away from the idea of from giving you a platform to talk and teach others. Because obviously, like, you still have a lot to learn. But from my own humble experience, my feeble four years of just working as a tutor, we are all learning. We're just in a different stages of the process, right? So not just because somebody's older than you doesn't mean that they know, like, a lot more about the subject than you do. And even if they do, like, that's totally fine. Because what you'll be teaching is what you know. It's important that even if you know, like, 10% about subject, is that while you're learning it, 
maybe teach it to others. Teaching actually is like one of the most helpful ways that you learn a subject yourself because when you explain it, you get it more and you ask questions that you might not have asked yourself before. So definitely just trust in yourself and trust that you can teach. Don't think that this is something that only a professor at college could do because yes, even those who do it professionally, like it, it really it didn't just start from the moment they were a professor. It started way before that. They helped their, when they were an undergraduate, they probably helped others with PSATs. They uh, tutored that, you know, like the examples are endless. What I wanted to say is, please trust in yourself. Trust that you can make a difference in somebody else's life. I started tutoring at the third grade or wait, it wasn't the fourth, I think. <laughs> but, you know, you could start when when you're like, before that even, a lot of people teach their siblings and, you know, just have in yourselves the trust that you could do it and that you always have something to teach. That's a great way to think about it and just trusting yourself, listen to that inner voice. And I am so grateful that you've been able to have this conversation with us. I hope a lot of people learn from your experience and get inspired by your experience as well. So thank you so much for being with us, Mohammed. Thank you so much for this opportunity and the journey with Code Combat has been more than amazing. I'm glad uh, that we could continue it and I'm glad that I have had this platform to help spread my opinions and my aspirations and everything with others and I hope they really had a takeaway from it. Great. We hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation with Mohammed. As an update since this interview, Mohammed was accepted to Harvard University and will be starting his freshman year this fall. We can't wait to see the positive change Mohammed will make in our EdTech community. Congrats, Mohammed, and thanks for sharing your journey with us. Thanks for listening to EdTech Adventures. Please subscribe to catch more of our episodes and leave a review to support the show. For more resources and info, visit us at codecombat.com podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Chang. We'll see you on our next learning adventure.